Welcome to Short Course, episode 31, for August 31st, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week's episode is going to be a continuation from episode 27, talking about practice, primarily live fire practice, but just collection of thoughts, just observations that I've made and things that I've found helpful, primarily around live fire practice and, and some of the changes I'm making this year versus previous years. So the first thing to talk about is the fact that I found that in dry fire as well as live fire, my practice sessions are the most productive when I go with a plan, but I'm willing to deviate from that plan. So the idea is have a list of things that you want to work on and then follow the plan unless something else comes up, unless you notice something and you want to explore it more or you notice a deficiency that you need to work on have that plan as the as the default if everything is going smoothly or if you get stuck somewhere if you're working on some drill and you can tell that you're not doing it as well as you want to but you can't figure out how to how to break through then you just have to move on and moving on is a lot easier when you have a list of things okay i can't figure out what's going on with my grip on this drill but just hammering on it is just going to frustrate me more and I don't even have to think about what to go to next. Looking at my sheet of paper here, I've got distance change up next. So let's just move on, work on it in that context. And one of two things will happen. Either you'll continue to struggle with it on that next drill. And at that point, you really haven't lost anything because you were going to struggle with it on the previous drill. Or what I find more often is by changing the drill, by changing the angle that you come at the problem from, you see it from a slightly different angle and you can sometimes find the way out through that. You can discover, get more information and figure out how to fix it or at least address it or, or just understand the problem better by coming at it from a different angle. I, I personally have a very bad habit of wanting to just drill right into something. As soon as I identify a problem, just wanting to dig into it and just pry it apart and just focus on nothing else. And honestly, that attitude to the level that I take it is not really productive because I end up so over-rotating and so laser-focusing on that one element that I lose all my subconscious ability. And so every little component of it becomes, it's not even conscious, it's like super conscious. I'm, I'm overly aware. I'm dialed into every little detail of it. And it leads to what I was talking about in episode 27, where I, I make all these false conclusions based on incomplete data. Whereas if I just go onto another drill and keep an eye on it and try and stay aware of it and observe it, but not let it dominate my focus, usually that's when I can start putting the pieces together and understand what's going on better. So an example of this, just from experience, is trying to think of how high on the gun to grip. So, you know, sort of how much of the meat of your web of your hand to, to really get up into the beaver tail and just, just right where the sweet spot is in the middle where you get the most power, the most grip, the most flexibility. And what I, my natural inclination is, is to set up some two-shot drill where I just draw to the target and shoot twice. And, and all I'm really focusing on is that, that one aspect of it. And that's really not helpful. I mean, maybe for a few reps just to play around with a few things and, and experiment. But in general, that ends up being a very unrepresentative sample of actual shooting. And so what I find has been more productive is to run multiple drills and have that component, that fragment of the technique in the back of my mind 
to be observing it in the different circumstances, in the different scenarios, and frankly, in the different random situations that arise in every rep. You're as much as I would like to say that I can grip the gun exactly the same way every time. There's there's a there's a wobble zone. If I'm going full speed trying to grip the gun, it's never going to be exactly perfect. It's always going to be a smidge high, a smidge low. And so every single one of those little random variations just becomes an experiment to observe and watch. And so you you are better off, or at least I found that I'm better off letting that happen and letting it play out and gathering data instead of trying to laser focus and just drill in on whatever this small detail is that honestly in most cases may just turn out to be irrelevant it may not to it may turn out to not make that much of a difference or certainly it may seem like a promising improvement and turn out to be a complete dead end it just it's not worth messing with but i've wasted 150 rounds and 30 minutes of my time and focus on the range exploring it just to to realize that it's not worth it that said, it is important to make those discoveries to try to go down those blind alleys because sometimes there are worthwhile things there. But if you can incorporate that into larger practice, into other drills, but not let it become the focus and let it distract you, that's that's been a helpful change for me. So go to the practice session. Dry fire, I like to have a, a list of drills written out. Generally speaking, four, six, eight, something like that drills. And start at the top and work through them. But if something comes up, if you want to try something, if you see an interesting drill, or if just if there, if you, you get that sense that there's something to be learned here, maybe you're doing, you have four drills written on your sheet of paper and your plan is to do each one for 10 minutes. But when you get to the end of the 10 minutes, you feel like you're on the edge of some kind of discovery in dry fire. Go with it. Now, if you're frustrated and you know that you can do better, but you don't know how, move on. Just move on. That, that sense of, of I can do this better, but I just don't know exactly what to change. That is the most maddening feeling and learning to just get over it and move on is, is very important to not wasting time and just frustrating yourself and just, just burning energy unnecessarily. Again, if you have some specific change that you're trying to make or something that you're, you're exploring, keep going down that vein. But if you just have this general sense that it's not as good as you want it to be and you can't figure out why, save yourself. Go on to the next thing on your list. And so have that list. Have a, a rough outline of of things to work on. That said, I think in general, certainly as I've gotten better, as I've tried to make smaller and smaller gains, right? as you get better, the actual improvement in any given area that you're going to make gets smaller and smaller. One of the changes that I've, I've tried to make is to, in general, do fewer things. So instead of doing eight drills for five minutes a piece in dry fire, I might have a couple of warm-up drills that I'll do for three or five minutes. If it's something, you know, draw to sight picture, something that's really short, each rep is really short, I might do that for three or five minutes, something like that. But any of the more complicated drills, I like to do each of them for longer and do fewer in a given session. And the same thing applies with live fire. In general, I'm really only going to try and do ideally two drills in a 400 round, 500 round practice session. And that gives me enough time to really get a baseline, to really work into the drill, sort of explore it, start finding all the nooks and crannies and, and see improvements. And, and I think this is a really 
most the most critical part, remember those improvements. Judge them. Have enough time to repeat each finding, each discovery. If, if I think I've found some better way to do something or I've, I'm getting into a groove and something's feeling right, just being able to repeat that five times in a row is is valuable. Just having the rounds dedicated to that where if you're trying to do 100 rounds of this and 100 rounds of that and 100 rounds of the other thing and do four or five different things in a four or 500 round practice session, I don't think you can explore each topic as deeply. And so what I've tried to do is is be more focused in each of the things that I do in each session, but change up the things between sessions. So I might work on two things for, for one practice session, and then at the next practice session, I'm working on two different things or two different drills that cover similar skills from a different angle. If I'm working over the course of a month on a particular skill, then I'll try and find drills that cluster around that, but not necessarily just do the same two things every practice session. And I think the key to this is not trying to do everything all at once, not having a scarcity mindset of, uh, okay, today's my day to practice. I got to fix this and I got to fix that. And I got all these problems that I got to fix and I suck. And at my last match, I did seven things wrong and, and I got to work on all of them. You won't work on any of them. If you try and work on all of them, you will just frustrate yourself, run around, and, and you won't make any progress on any of them. And so you have to decide what are the most important things work on those today and then trust by based on whatever your planning is, whatever your practice schedule is, trust that later on in the practice schedule, later on in your training cycle, you'll be able to come back and work on those other things. But in a lot of cases, if you can identify the the underlying issue, you can work on two or three of those things all at once. Often some of those symptoms might all be tied to one fundamental error. And if you can work on that, then you're working on two or three things at once. But even if that's not true, you want to focus and not try and do everything at once and have that you know abundance mindset type ideal where there will be time for that down the road. I today is not the day where I have to fix everything because if I fundamentally if I try to do that I'll fail. You can't fix everything today. But if you focus and you really practice one or two things, then you can probably make progress on those one or two things. But that's that's all that you can expect and trying to pretend that you can go to the range and practice seven different things and get better at all of them, I, I just have not found to be realistic. So having that, knowing your limitations, and maintaining that focus, and, and deliberately prescribing what you're going to do in a, in a given day, and note other things. Have in in the notebook that you're keeping during practice, which we talked about on episode 27, which I don't recommend taking super thorough notes, but have it handy at all times in case you want to jot something down. Oh, okay. It, I had this one rep where this happened. That was interesting. Explore it in dry fire or explore it next time in live fire. If it really is motivating to you, if you really feel like it's the thing that might be the breakthrough you're looking for, then you can scrap your, your plan and you can put together some drill right on the spot to try and explore that. You can just keep doing more reps of the drill that you're doing to keep working on that. You can follow that rabbit hole if you want, but if you don't, make a note of it and come back for later and trust that if you follow your schedule, if you have set up a, a schedule and you can trust that you'll get to the range twice a month, even if it's only twice a month, you know, you've got so many practice sessions before your next big match. This is how much time you have to work on these things. And you're going to work on the highest priority items until they stop being high priority items. And then you go to the next things, the, the next few things on the, on the priority list. 
But that's the only way, in my experience, that, that you get any better. Trying to do everything all at once does not work. The flip side of that is that I think the value of working on fewer things is that each one thing, not only can you work on it more deeply, understand it more deeply, get more of a well-rounded view of it by doing more reps on it, but it sticks in your memory better. It sticks in your mind better. And ultimately, this is this is a mental sport. Yes, there's a certain amount of myelination that happens based on physical repetition. I think that primarily happens in dry fire. I think that kind of rote repetition that builds faster neural pathways and all that, that happens from high repetition, everyday type of practice in, in dry fire. Particularly in live fire, to me, it's about observing the things that you can't see in dry fire and then remembering them and taking them into your dry fire. And so when you have fewer things to remember from a live fire session, you can remember each of them better, so to speak. If you go and try and work on a bunch of different things and you learn a couple different things about strong hand and weak hand and shooting on the move and shooting distance targets and shot calling, it's tough to mentally review all of that during your drive home, during the, the evening after the practice session to keep thinking through all these things and really ingrain them. Whereas if you have a couple of things that you learn, a couple of takeaways from a given practice session, and you just work them in and you think about them and you take them into practice, when you go into practice, you've only got a couple of things from, from the past weekend's live fire session that you're really working on in dry fire, it makes it easier to focus on those few things. And I think this is important because as someone who used to take a lot of notes and then try and review the notes and try and read them and boil them down and rewrite them, it just, it, it never quite worked. To me, the the way that I found sticks in my brain the best that I can do something in practice, take it into dry fire, and then have it show up at the match. The way that that loop works the best for me is to have a few clear takeaways, two, three, four, you know, not, not really more than that. Things to work on, feelings, observations. Oh, when I hold the gun this way, the sights track this way, that kind of thing. And just, and just think about those all week going into dry fire, when I'm driving, when I'm going to sleep, just, just keep looping over those things and think about them. And, and a lot of times they'll suggest other possible options. So I think, Hmm, okay, that's interesting. So if this does that, then what if I do this other thing? And maybe that informs your dry fire. Maybe that gives you things to take into live fire. But again, it's, it's not about doing the work and just physically performing the actions. In my experience, getting better is, is much more a process of doing a bunch of work on whatever the drill is, learning some things from it, and then mentally ingraining that as a habit, visualizing it in the shower, you know, in traffic, every time you dry fire, just getting used to whether it's the way your hand goes to the gun in the holster, the way you pull the trigger, the way your hands come apart on a long run, and then they come together as you're settling into position, all those little things, the way that they really become permanent and that they they become a part of your shooting i found is when it becomes a memory that you can summon on demand and you think about throughout the days or week after your practice session and that only really works if there's only a couple of them if you have to have some kind of list and mentally go through a checklist and oh yeah okay that happened and then this happened and then that happened i've just it's it, it hasn't it hasn't worked in my experience there are a couple things that particularly I found tend to lead to bad practice sessions. The two main ones are expectations 
and complexity. So expectations are when you come into a drill with, for whatever reason, some kind of expectation about how you should be able to do it. Usually it's because you've seen somebody else do it at a certain speed and you think, well, I should be able to beat that guy or it shouldn't be that hard. I read it in this here book. I should be able to do it. And that's true that you should have that as a goal, but you should come in, particularly I think in dry fire, you should come in accepting wherever you're at and shoot a baseline run and then improve from there. So if you want to have a four second El Prez, just setting your part timer to 4.0 and wailing on it until you can do it in four seconds does not, to me, does not work. It's okay. 4.0 is the goal. Let me do a run, have a start beep, do the drill, slap the timer to get an end time. Look at that time. Okay. Set the part time to that and then work it down from there. That's your starting point for the day. And the cool thing about that is generally speaking, just because it takes a couple tenths for your hand to get to the timer to slap it. Generally speaking, that part time that you're going to set is going to be doable. That That's actually a pretty good baseline. You should be able to reliably, if you can do that once, you can probably do it a couple times and then you can start working down from there. You can start finding tenths as it becomes more natural, more fluent, more fluid, then you'll, you'll be able to drop the part time. And maybe you end up dropping the part time all the way down to a four second outpress, but just setting the timer to four Oh and, and wailing at it. I don't think works. And, and same deal in, in live fire. If you think you want to be able to do a, a 2.0 build drill and you come out and you're trying to, you know, wail off splits and crank it off, crank off a sub second draw when you really have no control. First of all, it's unsafe. So don't do that. And second of all, it, you, you have no foundation to build on. You need to find the pace at which you can do it five times in a row and then work on whittling that down. And so having expectations of saying, well, I should be able to do a, a certain task at a certain speed or just just looking at a at a drill and having some idea of, oh, well, this shouldn't be too hard. And then letting that get to you and, and whatever your current ability to deliver on that drill is, if you try and deny that, then you're just denying reality. That's where you are. That's your starting place. That isn't, that isn't where you have to stay, but that's your starting place. So embrace that. Don't let your expectations be out of line with, with your current situation. That said, have goals, have standards, work towards them. That is, that is, those are very good things. But if you've never done a five-second live-fire, all-clean El Prez, don't expect to do that. Just find where your baseline is and work up from there. And the second thing that I found really just makes practice sessions, particularly in dry fire, actually, but this can happen in live fire too, just completely go down the tubes, is too much complexity. And a lot of times it doesn't take very much, but finding the right amount of complexity in the drill is a very, it's an interesting balance. And I think it's fundamentally one of the component skills of practicing efficiently. If shooting is a skill, then without a doubt, practicing efficiently is also a skill. It's, I would say, almost completely separate, although there are some things that you can learn between the two, but how to practice efficiently and how to shoot well almost are unrelated. And one of the things about practicing efficiently is being able to construct a drill that puts you in the right zone where you're, it's not dead simple. It's not draw on two shots, although draw in two shots can be an interesting drill in the right circumstances with the right focus. But in most cases, you're going to want more complexity than that. 
if you're trying to analyze how you draw the gun, how you work the trigger, you're going to want more than one target just because it'll it'll give you a little bit more data and stop you from hyper-focusing, like I talked about earlier in the episode. So you don't want the drill to be too simple. But I know for me, my instinct is usually to try and make the drill too complex, particularly in dry fire. So I'll be putting up targets for a drill and, oh yeah, let's uh, stick a mini popper over here and a couple hard covers over here and uh, no shoot over here. And the drill might be something simple. It might be draw three paper and a steel, reload to another array and three paper. But if the partials are all different and challenging in unusual ways and the steel is just dragging me back and I can't quite hit it reliably, then I need to work up to that complexity. The problem is I'm a guy. I don't like to quit. I don't like to back down. And so saying I can't handle this is not something that comes easily. But learning to recognize that feeling of spinning your tires and having one run where you improve one part of the drill and the other part goes bad and then you do another run and you fix that part and a third part goes bad. When you start getting in that loop where you feel like one run somehow still has some deficiency and you can't get all the pieces right, that's that's the telltale sign that whatever drill you're doing, live fire or dry fire, it's too complex. You need to break it down. You're not in the right spot for your current level of skill for the thing that you're trying to work on. You're, you're in the wrong zone. You're too far down the complexity curve. So just take out two targets, try it again. If you find yourself getting bored, if you can nail the part-time too easily, maybe then start adding some more complexity. But generally speaking, in my experience, I very rarely end up with a drill that is too simple because you can always find additional levels of complexity and additional layers of detail within a drill to analyze and improve. But if there's too much going on in a drill, then you just spin your wheels, you shoot, especially in live fire, you shoot a lot of ammo, you tire yourself out, you make yourself frustrated, and if you get past the a certain mental point of no return of frustration, then the rest of the session is just shot. So be aware of that, and don't let the too much complexity get into your into your drills. And this goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago with trying to do everything at once. This is this is really a, a one-two punch that that has bitten me in the past, is I want to work on partials and distance and steel. And so I set up a drill that has all three, and I do a rep that's good at one, meh at the second, and terrible at the third. And I do another drill where they rotate, and it's good at one, mediocre at the other, and terrible at the third. And, and I just go around in circles chasing my tail. I feel like I suck. I feel like I'm not making any progress. It's very demoralizing. And usually, overly complex drills are high round count drills. And so I've shot a bunch of my ammo. And by the time I salvage it, I got 200 rounds left. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. And I got to make the best of what's left of this practice session. And that's not good. That's that's something that I really try to avoid and and continues to be something that, that I work on every time I go to practice. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Keep sending your questions to podcast at barryshooting.com. I'll do another Q&A show when I have enough. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. Talk to you next time.